Church, we're continuing our sermon series for this month. It's entitled Soul Detox. And, and what we've been focusing on this whole month is the fact that God does have a plan for us. And, and too many times we focus on the outside. You know, we're always trying to improve our outside and, and we seem to neglect our inward being, our soul. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, it says this, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Today, we're, the sermon title is called The Tortured Soul. The Tortured Soul, and, and I told you guys a lot of times, you know, I grew up in a, a big family, and in a big family, typically, like your favorite pastime growing up in a, a big family is torture. You want to torture your siblings, right? You want to do whatever you can to torture them, and, and it's just, it's the way it is, right? And we were good at it. We really were good at it in our house. And I remember this one specific time, uh, one of my older brothers, he's, his, um, he's a big boy. He was. He was a bigger guy, way bigger than me and my friends, and uh, he would always pick on us, tease us and stuff. And so one day we decided we were going to get him. And so we tackled him all at once, all four of us. We pinned him to the ground, wouldn't let him up. He kept getting more angry and more angry, and, and we just kept torturing him and, and you know, doing things to him. And my, my one friend, he decided that he was going to do something. A lot of you guys have gone to Beaver Creek, right? There's a lot of geese out at Beaver Creek, right? Geese leave stuff behind, okay? So we had some geese at our house. My friend decided he was going to get some of that, and he put it on my brother's lip. Enraged him. So now not only were we torturing him, but I felt tortured. You know why? Because we were all afraid to get up because of what was going to happen next. And so here's how it ended. We all just took off running in different directions. You could only get one of us, and it wasn't me. But today we're going to be talking uh, about torture. And, and too many times when we think of the word torture, we think of physical torture, right? Being tortured physically, the torture of the body. Today I want to talk to you not about physical torture, but I want to talk to you about spiritual torture. Spiritual torture, spiritual torture of the soul. One of the key points that we've been making to you every single week in this series is that we are not a body with a soul, but church, instead, we are a soul with a body. That's who we are, and that's what we are. When our bodies die, we don't die, right? Our soul lives on. Our bodies die, but we live on eternally. And that is why Jesus asked this one specific question. And church, I love this question. We should think about this a lot. In Mark chapter 8, verse 36, Jesus asked this question. He said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? We live in a world today that wants to gain the whole world, and they're not paying attention to the soul. See, we always talk about detoxing our bodies, you know, keeping healthy, keeping fit, all those kind of things. But today I want to talk about detoxing and keeping your soul healthy. But the tragedy is this, church. The tragedy is you see so many people who look fine on the outside, right? They look good on the outside, but their souls are being tortured, Kind of like the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 7. It's always that riddle, man. The first time I read it, I'm like, man, what did that guy say? But here's what Paul says. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7, he said this. I'm just breaking it down for you a lot easier. It says, the things I want to do, I don't. And the things that I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. 
See, that was a a tortured soul talking right there. See, there's this internal battle. Some of us are tortured right now, church. You got this internal battle going on, and, and, and maybe you've done this before. I know I have before where you, you promise God things. How many of you have ever done that? You promise God something. You're like, God, I'll never do that again. I will never, ever, ever. Lord, I promise you, as long as I live, I will never do that again. And then you know what happens. Boom. You turn around and you do it again. That's what the Apostle Paul was talking about. And so you're plagued, church, when we do that. <clears throat> We become plagued with that regret, don't we? With, with that regret and that guilt, that sense of that inward conviction that we have in the side of our hearts. And sometimes what we do is we want to cover up that sin, don't we? We don't want to face it. We don't want to deal with it. You know, push aside. If I don't see it, then it didn't happen. Then I don't have to deal with it. And sometimes you cover this sin up because you don't want anyone to know. So on the outside, right, on the outside, you can put on that, that churchy face. You know what I'm talking about? You come to church and, and you look good, right? I'm going to fool everybody in that church. No one's going to know that I got something going on. And so you come to church, you know, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Man, God is so good. He is good, isn't he? And you can do that. But your soul, church, is being tortured on the inside because of that secret sin. First Peter Chapter 2, verse 11, he, he puts it this way. He says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wages war against your soul. Those things will wage a war against your soul. And, and so what is it this morning? What is it that tortures your soul today? I want to break it down to a couple of things. The first one is this. Church, we are tortured by the things that we've done. We become tortured by the things that we, we've done. You know, we do something that breaks the heart of God. We've all done it, right? Something, you've done something that breaks the heart of God and we feel guilty. And so what we do a lot of times is we carry our unconfessed sins. You carry that unconfessed sin inside and you become tortured by it. You know, David is a great example of this. Feeling the weight of his sin, he, he said this in Psalm chapter 38. Psalm 38, verses 3 and 4. This is the weight of David's sin coming down on him. He says, because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. There is no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. See, David was struggling right there. He was struggling and he was suffering. And how many of you have felt that tremendous guilt just like that? That tremendous guilt that that your guilt has overwhelmed you so much, it become a a burden that's way too heavy to bear. You know, you do something that you know you shouldn't do. It's kind of one of those deals that even as you're doing it, you know it's wrong, right? We've all had those moments like, man, I shouldn't be doing this. I, I shouldn't be saying this. I shouldn't be acting like this. But, but you're enticed, right? We become enticed by the enemy, and then you pick up on the temptation. And once you pick up that temptation, church, it turns into sin. Man, I, I really want you guys to understand something about this scenario right here. It's not a sin to be tempted. I know so many people that believe it's a sin to be tempted. It is not. 
The enemy knows your weaknesses. He knows where you struggle. And so, of course, he's going to throw it right in front of you. It's not a sin to be tempted. When it becomes a sin is this, when you pick up that temptation and you start to run with it. And so why are we tortured in our souls? It's because of that sin that we secretly carry. I read some statistics this past week. In America, the statistics said this, that 50% of men struggle with secret lust of pornography. 50% of all men struggle with with pornography. And then it went on to say this, that 30% of women struggle with it too. I mean, looking at things you know you shouldn't be looking at, right? You know, though, right? As you're doing this, you know deep down in your heart, you know right in the back of your mind that that if things got out, man, it could hurt your marriage. If your spouse found out about it, it could hurt your marriage. You know, it could ruin your reputation. It, it, It could be very, very embarrassing. It could be very embarrassing. And then you become tortured by it. Or maybe... It's because you're living a lie somewhere in your life. Maybe, church, you, you misrepresented yourself. Maybe you've cheated on someone or something and, and you are being tortured. See, in the back of your mind, you know when it comes out, it could be really, really bad. And so you keep it a secret. You bury it deep down and your soul becomes tortured. Maybe some of you, it's a private sin. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's overspending. You know, the emptiness of this world, the emptiness of this world just overtakes you. And so you go out and spend more than you have. And then you even lie about your spending. Maybe it's a, the overeating, right? You don't want to do this anymore, but you struggle with it. Or, or maybe for others, it's an addiction, right? You smoke something, you drink something, you pop something, right? You're doing this thing. And the next thing you know, you can't stop. And then you think in your mind, you know, that if people know about this, if this goes public, it's going to be really bad for me. So what do we do, church? We bury it. We bury it, you hide it, and you're tortured because of that secret sin. What is it that tortures our souls? First thing was, I just shared it with you, we're tortured by the things that we have done. And the second thing is this, we are tortured by the lies that we believe. How many of you are tortured by the lies that the enemy loves to tell you? We believe those lies, don't we? Man, he sits there and he just sits there and whispers in your ear, you're no good. You're not worth it. Nobody will love you. I mean, I can go on and on and on the things that he likes to whisper to us. Satan whispers to us in our souls. In John chapter 8. I mean, this gives us that picture of who he is. In John chapter 8, verse 44, it says this, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. Here's what I want you to get, church. It says this, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks in his native language, for he is a liar and he is the father of all lies. But you know what? Sometimes we believe them, don't we? He's good. He finds us in our weak spots. He lies to us. And then we become tortured by the lies that we believe. So many are believing the lies that the enemy has told them, and they are tortured in their soul, and here's what happens. They become prisoners to something that isn't true. They become a prisoner to something that isn't true, and our spiritual enemy 
You know the things that he tells us, right? Oh, if anyone knew your secret, they will not like you anymore. You know, they would reject you. You can't tell anyone because you'll lose everything you got. The enemy lies. And what he does is he tries to connect what you did to make you believe that's who you are. I want you to hear that, church. He tries to take the things that you did and he makes you, tries to make you believe that's who you are. That that's who you are at the core of you. He tells you what you, sh- what you did should be part of your identity, and we know that's not true. But yet sometimes we believe it. He says, you did that, so therefore you're bad. You're bad at the very core of who you are. Church, it drives me crazy when I hear people tell their kids, you are bad. I- I'm not talking about, you can say you did something bad. I'm not telling you don't correct. I'm a firm believer in correcting. (laughs) Firm believer. But I'm telling you, you tell your kids constantly they're bad. They're going to believe that they're bad to the core. You tell them what you did was bad. What you did was wrong. But you don't tell them that that they they are bad. And the enemy loves to do that to us as as adults. And we buy into it just like your kids will buy into it. You, You believe that I did that so I'm bad. I'm bad to the very core. You failed at something, so that means you are a failure, his favorite. Man, the enemy loves to do this. He's like, you messed up once, so you might as well keep going with it. You keep running with it, and so you start to believe that you are already used goods. So why not just keep rolling? He tells you this, too. He tells you, you can't tell anyone this stuff. You can't tell anyone this, so you start to believe that you have to carry this to the grave. And you know what, church? But what you don't realize is your secret is taking you to the grave. You you don't have to carry it to the grave because it's taking you there. That secret is taking you to the grave. You aren't taking that secret to the grave. It's taking you there. So listen to me this morning. I want to encourage you this morning. What do you do when you realize you're tortured by your own private sin? I want to give you two things that you can tell your soul this morning. Two things you can tell your soul. The first one is this. It's better to confess your sins than to hide your sins. It is better to confess your sins than to hide them. It's always better to tell the truth, isn't it? Proverbs chapter 28 tells us this. Verse 13, it says, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So if you hold it in, what it does is it poisons you. How many of you have ever got food poisoning? Horrific, isn't it? You, you, you eat something nasty, some kind of nasty food. It's poison to your body. And so what does your body do immediately? Rejects it. Your body rejects it, violently rejects it, is what it does. And it's bad. (laughs) See, unconfessed sin is like poison to our souls, church. Unconfessed sin is like poison to our souls. And you never underestimate your spiritual enemy's destructive power. Don't underestimate him, church. How he can hurt, how he can steal, how he can destroy through unconfessed sin. It is poison and you get you got to get it out. you got to reject it. Just like your body rejects poison. So here's how you do it, church. You confess it. 
You absolutely, you, you confess it. And you can confess it in two separate ways. Number one, church, this is where you got to confess it, all right? You confess it before God. Any sin that you got in your life, you've got to confess it before your God. You confess it to God for the forgiveness of sins, right? First John chapter 1. Man, this is really good. First John chapter 1, verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteousness. Man, you need to memorize that verse. You gotta memorize that. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. How many of you have that struggle going on where you'll confess something to God and you believe that he forgives you, right? And then you know what the enemy does? He wants to remind you of things. Man, I can't tell you, it will be years, years later, I'll see something, I'll witness something, and that comes back to me. And you know what the enemy wants to convince me? (laughs) You're no good, Mark Blakely. You know what you did. You know what you said. You know how you acted. And then that whole flood comes back over me, that, that torture of my soul. But then you know what happens, church? I remember something. I'm like, I already handled that. I already handled that. I've already taken care of that. I no longer have to worry about that anymore because he has forgiven me. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Church, when you cry out to him, when you cry out to him through Jesus Christ, right, your sins are forgiven. Forgiven. The Bible says they are cast as far as the east is from the west, never to be brought back again. He forgets your sins. Remember the Etch-A-Sketch? They still make them. I'm blown away by that. You know the Etch-A-Sketch, right? The little red thing at the screen. She's there, two little dials. You know, they show you the commercial, these these nine-year-old kids drawing these fantastic pictures on the Etch-A-Sketch. Yeah, I get one. And all it looks like a big scribbly mess. I get ticked off. How come I can't do it? Must be something wrong with me. And you know what you did with the Etch-A-Sketch? You threw it. No. You shake it, and it wipes away. That mess that you made on your Etch-A-Sketch, all you do is shake it, and it's gone. It goes away not to be brought back. See, in God's eyes, church, when you confess your sins, it's gone. It's gone not to be brought back. See, some of us, you you feel all guilty about this, that, the other, right? You feel all guilty about things that you've done in your life. You, You confess it to God. He has forgiven you. So here's the best advice I can give you, church, today. Listen to me. Let it go. Seriously. Why do you keep picking it back up? He has forgiven you. That stuff is poison to you. And so once you have confessed it to him, he is forgiving you, so you let it go. You confess to him for forgiveness. That's what you do. You confess to God for forgiveness. But see, there's another step in confession that so many people don't take God's word for it. The second point is this. We confess to people for healing. You confess to people for healing. James makes it very clear to us in James chapter 5, if you look at it with me, James chapter 5, verse 16, he, he makes it so clear. He says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. 
The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Anytime someone comes up to me, man, I've experienced this a lot being the preacher. Someone will come up to me and, and they say, you know, I want to tell you something I've never told anybody else in my life. Number one, it blesses me because you trust me. Number two, I get excited because you know why? Some healing is going to start happening. People are going to be, be healed through this. There is healing. I'm realizing this person is about ready to have a breakthrough in their life. They got to that point. I want to lift this burden off me. I no longer want to carry it. And, and so I want to share this with you. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Church, that's why you get involved in a small group. That's why you get in, involved with, with some people that you do life with. I'm talking about good, solid Christian men and women. You can do some life with some people. So you get somewhere, right? You get somewhere, and, and there is this consistent spiritual encouragement Amen. where you can find that. And here's the other thing where we hold each other accountable. Church doesn't like to do that anymore. Church, we have to hold each other accountable. You do it right Okay, you don't go up and get in someone's face and slap them upside the head with your large print NIV leather bound Bible. That's not what I'm telling you to do. You do it well. You hold each other accountable. And see, this is where we open the door where we confess our sins to each other. You know, in 11 years that, that I've done ministry, right, every time I talk with someone, when they are confessing something to me, and, and I'm talking about it, and they're, they're bringing these things up, and, and you can just see them, the weight is being lifted off of them. And I'll be like, uh-huh, yeah, okay, right, that's, that's what you need to do. And when they're done, you know what, they will pray together, and you know what they always say, always, they always say, there's like, thanks, I feel so much better I feel so much better because they are bringing something with a lot of weight and when they confess that to someone else another believer then this weight is lifted from them it has been brought to light they no longer have to carry it and they look back and they basically say you know what? that was one of the hardest days of my life that I had to tell you that but you know what it ends up being one of the best days of my life because I've been released. I've thrown it out there. I no longer have to be tortured with my private sin. See, when one of the most difficult things to do can end up being one of the most strengthening moments in your life, it can bring about healing. Church, it's amazing how confession brings about healing. So you're sitting there thinking, Right now you're sitting here in church and we all got stuff, right? We all have baggage. We all have all kinds of things in our lives. And so you're sitting there saying, so I need to tell everybody what I did. I'm not telling you to come up here on stage and, and throw all your baggage out there for everybody. Some people can't handle it. You definitely don't go home and get on social media, on Facebook, and confess all your sins. I promise you that won't end well for you. What you do, and here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we confess everything to everybody, but we confess some things to somebody. You find someone solid. And I've heard this. Some old guy told me this years ago, huge wisdom for me, huge wisdom. He said this, one of the greatest marks of spiritual maturity is the short 
time span between sinning and confessing. He said that shows spiritual maturity. When you don't have to wait forever for that to take place. Let me say that to you one time. One of the greatest marks of spiritual maturity is a short time span between sinning and confessing. It's where you're like, Lord, I recognize I was wrong. Where you call your brother or your sister in Christ, and you're like, man, would you pray for me? I messed up big time now. You get that prayer. I confess this. You know, I need help. I'm in a place where I need help right now. But you know what Satan will tell you? (laughs) Satan's going to tell you, don't tell anybody. You keep that a secret. Here's what you do when Satan tells you that. You don't tell anyone. Here's what you tell your soul, church. Don't be tortured. Don't be stupid. You find someone. You confess to God first, and you find someone else to confess it to. You know, it's better to confess your sins than it is to hide your sins. Remember what I, I read to you, right? He who conceals his sin doesn't prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Finds mercy. And the second thing you tell your soul is this. You tell your soul that Christ will set you free. I don't think we tell our souls that enough, church, that Christ is going to set you free. When Satan tells you, you're always going to be this way. Man, he used to tell me that all the time. You're always going to be this way. That's who you are. It's never going to get any better. That's just who you are. And you're like, oh, no. You tell him. You say, hey, soul, listen. I don't have to be tortured. I don't have to be tortured. I don't have to live this way. I don't have to live this way. There's a better way. There's a way that we can be free, church. There's freedom in Christ. When Satan says, you'll always be this way, you tell tell your soul this. Soul? No. That is not true. Greater is the one who is inside of me than he who's in the world. You got Christ Jesus inside you, man. You got to remember that, right? Hey, Hey, soul, you know what? Where the spirit of the Lord is... There is freedom. There's freedom there for you. Or how about this? So you don't have to be trapped. You don't have to be tortured in that private sin because you know what? If Christ sets you free, then you know what? You are free indeed. That's who you are. But sometimes the enemy convinces us, doesn't he? Man, he's so crafty. He tells you you'll never get out of it. This is just the way you are. And he'll also tell you that the way out's too painful. He'll tell you that, that that way out is way too painful, that you shouldn't have to do it. You know what, church? Too many times, I remember when I was younger, you know, and I was doing stuff, and, and I, I always had that mentality that, you know what, if I confess it before God, then he's going to take it all away from me. He takes the sin away from me, but you know what he doesn't do, church? Sometimes he does not do, he does not take the consequences away from us. That's why you have to be careful what you do. Do you realize almost every situation that you are in your life, almost every single one of them, most of us, we put ourselves there, don't we? We really do. It's through bad decisions. It's through bad thought processes. It's all these things. And a lot of times what we do is we pray to God like, Lord, I confess the sin before you. Take it away from me. But what we're saying to is, Lord, I want you to take it all. I want forgiveness and I want no consequences whatsoever. You realize David, King David, the apple of God's eye. That's a quote. He sinned. He struggled. That man struggled. 
and he sinned and the consequences he had to deal with for the rest of his life. God still used him. God still forgave him. But he had to deal with the consequences. He was literally hunted like a dog for most of his life. So church, we got to be careful what we choose. Do you realize we have a choice? We do. We always have choices. God gives us choices. And so it's that thing when the enemy tells you that you'll never get out of it, that this is the way you are, or the way out might be too painful. Man, I want you to remember what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says no temptation. It doesn't say a couple temptations. It doesn't say a few temptations. It says this, no temptation has overtake you, overtaken you except for what is common to mankind. I love that. Because you know, a lot of times I'm sitting there going like, oh, I'm the only one dealing with this. Why is it always me? How come I'm the only one that has to live like this? How come I'm the only one who has to deal with things like this? He's saying no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And that means, listen, almost everybody's dealing with it. We all are struggling, but he says this, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. It says he will always provide a way out, church. You know those temptations that some of us, we just like, oh, I give up. I mean, literally, it happens, you give up right now. You roll over right now, boom, it's done. God is saying, you stand strong, and I'm providing a way out for you. He, I will make it clear to you. All you got to do is open your eyes, and you look. Church, there are times when I'm literally the, the enemy will tempt me, and then literally, I, boom, well, there's the way out right there. And I recognize it. And the more mature that I get, the faster I'm recognizing the way out. And it comes from understanding God and his word for who he says he is and what he will do. So, church, what you are going through, it's common. And God is telling you, I will give you a way out. He's saying this, I am faithful to you. And I will always, always provide a way out. So you feel trapped, right? You feel helpless. You feel tortured. And you're thinking, there's no way I can ever get out of this. With Christ Church, there's always a way out. Every single time. You do not have to remain in bondage. You do not have to remain in chains to your unconfessed sin. Because there's always a way out. When I was growing up, and, and I'm the generation that got started on the video games. I was. I, I, we're, you know, we, we were paving the way for all you younger people. And there was this game. I remember I was 10 years old, and I got the game Asteroids. I got that game Asteroids, and, and it's very simple. But I remember me and my friends, we would play for hours the game of asteroids. We would just play for hours and hours. And, and you know what? For those of you who don't know anything about asteroids, you could actually flip the number, your score. You could go from zero and all the way back to zero if you played for hours. But the, the whole premise of this game was you, you got this little rectangle, I mean triangle spaceship, and there's these little blobs floating around. You shoot them. It was very simplistic, but entertaining. 
And, and all of a sudden, there would be more and more asteroids coming out to your spaceship. And suddenly, if you click the button twice, you would go into hyperspace. And what that meant is all of a sudden, you would vanish and you would appear somewhere else on the screen. And it used to blow me away because it was a risk. You could push the button and you would disappear, but it might come bring you back right in front of an asteroid, then you're wiped out. Well, let me tell you what God does. God gives us hyper grace. He gives us hyper grace. He, you don't have to be tortured in your soul because there's a way out. Oh, you got to boom, there is instantly a way out. You can be free, church, from your lusting. You can be free from your lying. You can be free from your struggling. Whatever your secret sin is, I want you to know that God is willing to give you grace, and he's also willing to give you healing yes. in your life. Here's the thing, the door's open. <laughs> Literally, the door is open. Come in. And find freedom. The door is open for you to receive that grace. The door is open for you to find that freedom. And the Bible tells us, right, he who the Son has set free is free indeed. It means that Christ paid for your sins, and he's just saying, walk out the door. You are no longer a prisoner, and come receive what it is that I have for you. You don't have to stay locked in Satan's lies anymore. You no longer have to be bound and be tortured by the things that you've done. He's saying you open the door, you be free, you be healed, you walk out, you be transformed, you become who it is that God has created you to be. So this morning as I asked the praise team to come up here, I honestly want you to realize the choice is yours. We all have choices. Do you realize your entire day is built on choices? You decided this morning, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to choice. To church, you made a choice, right? You decided this morning, thank goodness, I'm going to brush my teeth, right? You made a choice to brush your teeth. But so it goes even deeper than that. Do you realize that you have a choice, that you can have forgiveness of your sins? Do you realize you have a choice, that you no longer have to listen to the lies of the enemy? Do you realize this morning that you have a choice, that you can have freedom, I mean real freedom, in your life? And it comes from a right relationship with Jesus Christ. So some of you right now, you are sitting here in church, and you are at a crossroads. You really are. I mean, you heard this message today, and you are sitting here, and you are at a complete crossroads in your life. And here's my question for you right now. Listen to me. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What exactly are you going to do? Are you going to keep carrying that secret? Are you going to keep letting your soul be tortured? I'm talking about being tortured and being all alone. Or this morning, are you going to be at the crossroads and say, you know what? I'm going to ask for help. I'm reaching out. That you're going to say, you know what? I want God to set me free. I no longer want to live this way. You know, it can be a hard day for you facing your sin. 
really can be. It can be an exhausting day for you to face that sin, but I want you to know this church, it can be the best day for you to face that sin because you now have heard the truth. You've heard the truth. And the Bible says the truth, meaning Jesus Christ, will set you free. That you no longer have to live this way. That you have to trust God. You trust God with the consequences of where you are at right now. You trust him in 1 Peter. I want to share one last verse with you. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it says this. It says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins to live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed of your sins. And some of us right now, we are sheep that's gone astray. I mean, you are out there wandering. You are out there in the world doing your own thing. And you know what? Here's the thing. Most of us, we realize, like, we are offending our God. We are hurting him by the lifestyle that we are living. And so here's what I want to tell you. It's time for you to return to the shepherd. It's time for you to return to the shepherd. And the shepherd is Jesus Christ. He is the overseer of your soul. That's who he is. And I got to share one more verse with you. I said I was sharing, but I got to share this with you. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. So one more time, church, I'm asking you, where do you stand with God this morning? We all stand somewhere. You can't say I'm on the fence. <laughs> there ain't no fence. Satan owns the fence. You're either with him or you're not with him. But here's what we like to do. We like to look around like, I ain't as bad as so-and-so. Satan loves to use this. I'm not as bad as that one over there. And oh, you know what? I do some good things. I help my neighbor lady all the time. Here's what we do. We try to justify our standing with God by comparing ourselves to others and looking at works. And that is not how it happens. So today, I believe it's all my heart. Today may be the day of someone's salvation that you are going to come and recognize who Jesus Christ wants to be in your life, that you are going to turn from your sin, you're going to call upon Jesus Christ, and you're going to be made brand new. Yes. So God wants to transform you. So if that's for you this morning, if this is hitting you hard and heavy, I'm glad. you got to do something about it. You admit that you're a sinner. Man, you can come up front. We have people who pray with you up here. You don't have to give them the long list of your dirty laundry. That's not what it's all about. Let them pray with you. You confess your sins before your God. And you ask Jesus Christ to come in your heart. You follow him in Christian baptism. And listen, church, you, you will be transformed. You will become a new creature in Jesus Christ. So if that's for you, I want you to come forward. And for the rest of you believers that are here today, Maybe you've been listening to the enemy a little bit too much. He's whispering in your ear, reminding you of past hurts, telling you like, this is who you are. You remember who you are in Christ Jesus. You are no longer that old person. God has given you grace. He has given you forgiveness. And so you tell him, you get behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ, and he has to. He'll be back. And you tell him again. So maybe if you're struggling as a believer today, Carrying all that burden, all that guilt, all that shame. You keep picking it back up. God says, no, give it to me. I want to keep it forever. 
it's time for you to surrender that as well. So how about it, church? Let's stand together and let's sing. I really want to encourage you to just respond this morning.